God hey, damn it, I gotta hey, work at hey. 5.30 in the morning, pasty. I know, we're staying up all night. Cause it's a double header, Fat Mac. If you ain't know, you can go back to the playlist of our podcast. And there's another episode we just posted a good 20 minutes ago. That's the 7th Annual Beefies and our tribute to the late, great Brody Lee. Oh, Jim Cornette is so happy because it's double cheese, double mayo, double pickles, double onion, and a double fucking dose of Beef Sticks podcast. Motherfucker! <laughs> that needs to be a button on the show. I'm going to track that one down. I like that motherfucking button. <laughs> yes, folks, if you haven't already, make sure to go and listen to either before or after. It doesn't really affect the 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 uh, the lineage or whatever of, of our show. But we just did an amazing tribute, if I do say so myself, to Brody Lee, to John Huber, to Luke Harper, however you knew him. And we also gave you our beefy awards, which are so fucking fun. And as always, we got so many little side roads, you're going to be entertained for hours about shit that might not even have anything to do with pro wrestling. You know, we felt so bad about giving you guys so many shortage sentinels in 2020, we figured we'd kick the new year off right. This is a jam, goddamned packed episode. I'll tell you what, you didn't see more beef inside a small orifice since fucking Mia Khalifa's video with uh, Marty Jannetty. Hey, you have to go back and listen to the last episode if you want to know more about that. That's a callback, folks. Yes. It's time to snap into it, folks. And the more you know, here we are at the top of the show. Axis TV and Impact Wrestling are joining forces for a special tag team event. Wrestle Week on Axis TV. The event is a week-long lineup packed with exclusive profiles, behind-the-scenes footage, cult classic movies, and more. Featuring some of the biggest stars of Impact Wrestling. Wrestle Week begins Tuesday, January 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and leads up to Impact's much-anticipated first pay-per-view event of 2021, Hard to Kill. Can't wait. On Saturday, January 16th. And this is your Wrestle Week on Access TV schedule. Tuesday, January 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in for Bound for Glory's broadcast premiere. Folks, if you didn't catch it on the pay-per-view, you can catch it for free on Access TV. That's always nice. I like that. And then on January 12th at 8 p.m., that is followed up by a healthy dose of Impact. Brand new episode. And then Wednesday, January 13th at 10 p.m. Eastern, we get Impact in 60. An hour-long docu-series focusing on many aspects of Impact Wrestling and Impact Wrestling history. Thursday, January 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Impact Wrestling, This Is Hard to Kill documentary will debut. Basically, it is what it says. It's a documentary on the the lifespan of Impact Wrestling and how 
every year since it existed, people said it was the last year, and they're still going on. Friday, January 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern, badass movie night with the Good Brothers showing the movie Kickboxer. Oh, I'm Is that going to be like Mystery Science like Theater perfect. 3000, or are they just going to be in the commercial breaks? That's my word. I, I think it's going to be like Monster Madness on TNT where, yeah, during the commercial breaks they, they talk about it and add shit about it. That's my guess. Uh, way better if it were uh, M- M- MSTK3- 3K. Uh-huh. But um, either way, or even fun. Like because kick- JCW tapes where they just commentate over it. Yeah, because Kickboxer is a- an awesome Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, and the Good Brothers, you know they're going to have fun with it. Either way, just watch it, folks. I'd just watch Kickboxer. It's a good fucking movie. JCVD, baby. I don't don't think I've seen it. I don't know. I might have to watch it with the Good Brothers. And then, finally, Saturday, January 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, it is Impact Wrestling's live countdown to Hard to Kill pay-per-view. Folks, if you're on the fence about buying the hard-to-kill pay-per-view, you're not going to fucking watch this anyways, so it's kind of pointless. But honestly, it's their pre-show, so just watch it if you are going to watch the pay-per-view. Yes, or don't, and watch the pay-per-view. The choice That's is true. yours. It's Wrestle Week, and this is for you. It is cool to see Axis TV kind of, you know, put this kind of promotion behind Impact, because... So many promotions in the past have just treated Impact like a redheaded stepchild. And um, obviously, Access TV is owned by the same parent company that owns Impact, so they should do this. But as we've seen with WCW when it was on TNT, and of course, it looks like they've learned from from it the way they promote AEW, though. Sometimes they don't promote the own shit, the shit they they own, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this is good to see. I mean. It's a lot of, uh, I mean, this is the same stuff they do with the WWE Network the week of a pay-per-view where they have a whole bunch of stuff leading up to it. And it's like, you can watch it. You don't have to watch it. But I like to see that Impact is doing this. They need to make more of a spectacle out of what they are because too many just won't give them shot because of what it used to be. Yeah, I still see so many uh, on so many wrestling Facebook pages where they're like, they talk about, well, you know, I love AEW, uh, I watch WWE every now and then, just can't stand Impact, or even the opposite, fuck AEW, I love WWE, but Impact's the worst, and it's like, oh my god, Impact has some of the best wrestling and stories out there if you actually give them a chance. Women's division alone is enough to like carry the company. Oh, 100. Yeah, you want to watch good women's wrestling. I think that's where you go, although I don't watch a lot of Shimmer, Shine. I was just going to say, outside of your your Shimmer, your Shine, your Stardom, your uh, WSU, those kind of deals. Uh, But, Pasty, if, if, if you really want, get your friends together. Gather around the TV like quail, friend and foe alike. And wait like a jackass. And that brings us to our token JRR making a comeback. The return of the king, baby. (laughs) Here we go. 
Back in the day, guys were more proficient at delivering a DDT or a super kick than they are in this generation where things are evolving. Things are changing in the wrestling business. I want some proof of that shit. I want someone to prove to me that the changing of the wrestling business is, uh, is, is what it is today and that uh, it's making a difference. So I told a kid the other day at AEW, said, everybody does the same fucking spot. All you guys get outside, you cluster up like quail, you stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together side by side so that you can catch some leaping idiot going over the top who never wins with this move. And they don't get an advantage with this move. It's, you know, they're looking for a, the, the, the holy shit chance. What got that going? I think they love to hear those. Holy shit. Holy shit. This is awesome. It's a spot folks. It's a trapeze act. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't buy into that. Listen to the Carney hate on trapeze acts. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks. This is the, uh, this is this is the audio clip of you've probably read it. It made the it made the circulation here a while ago on all of the uh, dirt sheets, but now you heard it from the horse's mouth directly from Jr. You can you don't have to take it out of context or 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 wonder how he's uh, sarcasm or anything like that. Uh, it's what he said, and is not. I mean, he's not wrong. That doesn't mean he's right. No, you but saw that wrong. spot multiple times on like every dynamite, and that that is a problem. It doesn't win matches. It puts you and your opponent on the ground outside the ring, where you in in most matches you're not going to win. And it honestly risks people's health long term. Didn't Both Phoenix the people catching suffer and people from jumping. injury because of that this year? Yeah, yeah, he did. PCO. So it's, it's like you know it, it is a. That that was very, that was not getting caught. <laughs> that was the quail scattered. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like it's one of those things. It's like it's a cool spot, but yeah, when you do it multiple times every show, or even just once every show, oh. which it is more than once every show, but even if you do it once every show, it's still overused, and, no, and it does have no psychology to it. It's every man's move, too. It's not just one guy's thing. Everybody does it, big guys, small guys, the like. It's, you know, it's like a super kick. Yeah. I hate that I have to say that because I still love the super kick, but it does nothing. So what's the point? Well, and and as he, as he talked about in the beginning, it's like the DDT, you know? It's like the DDT used to end moves. And or used to end matches. I'm sorry. And now it, it happens three, four times in a match, and, and you never win with it. And it's like, well, yeah, were the old timers just shitty at doing it, or are the new guys, or were the old timers really good at doing it, or are the new guys shitty at doing it? Were the old timers not equipped to handle it when they took it, and now the new guys have stronger heads? It's like, and yes, again. The, comp- the the industry evolves, it changes, it moves, and we know we can't just have sleeper holds and and, um, and full Nelsons and arm Elbow arm drags, drags and arm leg drops. Yeah, we get that, but yeah, maybe a on little the other more hand, I mean, I mean, or you know, on the other hand, fucking. 
uh, chess chops don't win matches either, and everybody loves that. Right. You that know. is true, but to be honest, nobody's getting injured, and nobody's going on the shelf for three months because of a chess chop. Yeah. Dan- you know what I mean? Daniel Bryan got close a couple times. You don't... <laughs> You don't have you don't have five people, friend and foe, gathering like quail for one guy to chest chop all of them. At least one not guy all. who can chest chop five men in one go. I want to see that. I just want to see him spin. Great Kali, let's see the tornado. Great Kali do it. Yep. Get <laughs> Stretch Armstrong in there, that motherfucker. <laughs> get him. Good old Jr. Yes, folks. Uh, uh, token Jr is coming back with many different people and it's going to be ramblings. It's going to be bitching. It's going to be funny stuff. It's going to be whatever the fuck's going on on another podcast that we feel we could exploit to give you entertainment. We're going to fucking do that. Cause that's before how we you do go things. call on your lawyers. Cause you got a problem with it. We don't make a cent off this shit. Not a goddamn cent. folks. <laughs> And we're using clips, and it's for educational purposes. We're educating you. Pasty, and something that we've done, oh, for years now, that a lot of our fans just absolutely love, is we educate the fans on what's happened both decades ago, sometimes just years ago. We always talk about something that happened this week in pro wrestling history. And, of course, our new show of the year, Season 4, would not be the same without talking about 23 years ago on January 8th, 1998. Yes, folks, 22 fucking years, 23 years ago. It's goddamn insane. It hurts me so bad that the 90s are that far gone. <sighs> That's the end of the 90s. I never too feel long. old until I think about that. <laughs> yes, well, that long ago, WCW presented the debut episode of Thunder from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. The first Thunder is most noted for the vacating of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship following not one but two controversial bouts between the icon Sting and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Moments after Sting forfeited the title, he spoke for the first time since Jan or since October 1996. Folks, that's over two years this guy didn't speak. That's unheard of in today's business, especially since he was their number one babyface. And he was not pleased with WCW Commissioner J.J. Dillon's decision, telling him he had telling J.J. that he had no guts, and he told Hogan he was a dead man. The historic debut show featured the following card. Macho Man Randy Savage defeated Gentleman Chris Adams. Rick Martel defeated Louis Spicoli, who would die just months after this, sadly. Hiroyoshi Tenzin defeated Michiyoshi Ohara. Rick Flair defeated Chris Jericho. The Giant defeated Meng. Bill Goldberg defeated Steve McMichael in about a two football players just brawling and not knowing how to wrestle. Steiner Brothers defeated Buff Bagwell and Conan of the NWO. Ray Taylor defeated Scott Hall. Of course, Ray Taylor being the former big boss man. Juventud Guerrera defeated Ultimo Dragon to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. 
Lex Luger defeated Scott Flash Norton. And Diamond Dallas Page defeated Big Sexy Kevin Nash by DQ to retain the WCW United States Championship. Quite a snapshot of the late 90s there, Pasty, or mid-90s. Late 90s, yeah. Yes, indeed. It's a good lineup. That's a show I would watch. And, and you I got to see how WCW was back then. You had you had the veterans like your Randy Savage, your Kevin Nash, your Lex Luger. You had your big guy, your um, famous guys from overseas with your Tenzin, O'Hara. Scott Flash Norton was a New Japan mainstay. You had young folks like the Giant, Chris Jericho, Buff Bagwell. You had the NWO with your Scott Hall. You had Ric Flair. I mean, it just really, the Cruiserweights, Juventud, and Ultimo Guerrero, it was, or Ultimo Dragon, it was really, uh, they really, back then, they had a little something for everybody on your WCW card. Yes, indeed. Tasty, tasty times. It's tasty for pasty. You know, 2020 really makes me miss the 90s. <laughs> you know, waking up in the morning makes me really miss the 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the fucking, the member berries just aren't doing it anymore. Fuck your nostalgia. If I'm not back in the 90s, it don't count. Uh... Yeah. You know, one thing that always makes me feel young again, though, is a good New Japan Pro Wrestling pay-per-view. But when will we get one, Pasty? Not sure, Fat Mac. But we're about to give you the results for Wrestle Kingdom 15. Yes, Pasty, we went through, we did uh, predictions for what we could predict, although there were a handful of matches that were completely up in the air at the time of predictions. And I think, uh, full disclosure, both Pasty and I didn't watch every match. I plan on going back and watching most of the matches, if not a handful of them, um, to so the grades and scores and best matches and everything that I give are going to be tentative. But I think they're probably still pretty spot on. Uh, is, is that about the same with you, Pasty? Yeah, yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot, and I think the first thing that, that kind of put me off was starting the event, and they panned this huge stadium, still relatively packed full of people, and then said that they're not allowed to make audible noises, but you'll hear stomping and clapping throughout the night. And I'm like, well, what's the point of any of that then? They're still breathing. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to have them there, have them make noise. If you're not, you know, if you don't want them to spread it, don't have them there. Have a minimum capacity. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I would want to say... go to that show because I'd probably still get hype and then get, like, dragged out of there, and that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, made no sense. 100% made no sense and uh, and affected it going forward, I think. I, I, I definitely think so. It was off-putting to start, and I only made it through, I'd say, about the first hour of the first night. 
And then I got sidetracked on stuff and ended up watching Dynamite. I'm like, oh, that's my wrestling for the week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but to kick off night one on the pre-show, we had a 21-man New Japan Rumble to determine the challengers for the King of Pro Wrestling 2021 trophy. Yes, New Japan is competing for the longest match title, too. WWE's still beating them, though. Yeah, yeah. Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, and Toru Yano advanced. Yes, Basti, I did not watch this. Although, I love Toru Yano, and uh, I did not watch the match that came from this either, but I want to go back just to see what kind of shenanigans he pulls in a match that features, you know, Chase... Fale and Bushi, which um, Toriyanu being such a silly out there character, it's uh, I, I want to see it just to see what happens. I'm fairly I, did, I didn't watch this, but I, I'm fairly certain I heard Toriyanu didn't even have to compete in the match. He was the last entrant, and then the two guys that were still in the ring eliminated each other. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That that sounds right for Toriyano. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for folks who don't listen to New Japan, he's he's really uh, he's your comedic relief. But I dare say he's not as annoying because most things in New Japan are so serious. He's the one comedic relief, and he kind of goes all out. So I I don't know. I I find it better than say a uh, Santino Morella or whatnot. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. And then to that start bird. off the main show, a man yeah. in a top hat carried a baby out from the back. That was a thing that happened. And I'm not That's sure how they why. start every Wrestle Kingdom pasty. <laughs> the man in the top hat bringing out the baby. They they put it they put it on the torch, light it on fire, and then they all have baby back ribs afterwards while chanting the holiest of, of, of chants. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back. She lives, baby back. Is, is that where the Dark Order got that Barbecue sauce. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then that brought us to the number one contender, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. To start out night one, Hiromu Takahashi defeated El Phantasmo in a match that I can only imagine happened. Yeah. Love Takahashi. Phantasmo is okay in my book. Pasty, uh, I believe you saw this one? Yes, I did see this one. I thought it was a, a decent way to kick it off. It was a good match, and Phantasmo was uh, better better than, than I think you, you think he is. <laughs> He's good. He's good. I mean... He's good. Yeah. He didn't win. No. Not that good. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the IWGP Tag Team Championship. Seeing the Gorillas of Destiny, that's Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, if you didn't know, uh, defeating the Dangerous Trekkers, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. Pasty, they are not red shirts. They are Trekkers, not Trekkers. <laughs> they should be Trekkers. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool to see uh, G.O.D., B.C., 
the Tongas pick up the championship. I could easily see them, depending on how the pandemic plays out going forward, I could see them being tag team of the year for Beefy's 2021. Uh Uh-huh. And, of course, them uh, winning the tag team championships is just perfect for for that theory that they're going to be working with AEW sometime in the future. You know, you got to bring them back up to the top for that. Kind of yeah, there's there's a few things that uh, drew speculation to that. And, of course, hey, um, New Japan doesn't have a trios title. If AEW brings a trios title, of course, there's Tonga Roa, who uh, kind of usually gets the short end of the shaft on the G.O.D. train. I would love to see the three of them be a trios champion. That would be Whew. awesome. Looking forward That'd to be- seeing what they have... Uh... To, to bring as champions once more. I am sad to see Zack Sabre Jr. lose, though, but I um, I am glad to see these guys win it. Moving on, we got number one contender to the IWGP United States Championship, which is currently held by Moxley. We have Kenta, who is the current number one contender, defeating Satoshi Kojima to keep his spot. Spot. Yes. Um, I haven't watched this match, but I want to because I absolutely love Kenta. Kojima is super solid, and actually, he's one of those people you just, he's probably never going to be a main guy, but you can put him with almost anybody and you're going to get a good match. Mm-hmm. So, him, Kenta, I can only imagine is going to be great. Did you catch this one? Uh, I did. Believe I did, but at this point I was pretty checked out. All right. At this point, I knew I wasn't really going to watch the whole thing. So you made but, the mistake of watching the beginning first and the and the last part later. You got to start with the last few and then get into the first few. Oh yeah, yeah, I know how that goes. It's For, you know, eight hours of fucking wrestling. <laughs> and New Japan is one of the few promotions that usually has like their last three or their best three in their. You know, their first three are probably their worst three. It's like uh-huh. they just, they kind of really do build up. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to Kenta Moxley, though. That's going to be a fun, fun time. God, I can't wait for it, buddy. <clears throat> that could be Moxley's I don't know best when match we'll get outside it. of WWE yet. Right. I don't know when we'll get it. Of course, with all the, uh, the restraints well, and everything with travel. Moxley and came then... out. In the in the pay per view, said he'd be defending in that next. Uh, well, I guess yeah, it depends on travel restraints. But uh, the next New Japan show on American soil, I, the, the the title is escaped me. The title is escape. I can't. New Japan escaped me, folks. You heard it here first. John <laughs> Moxley versus Kenta U.S. Championship. New Japan escaped me. <laughs> Uh, then we saw. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I don't know ahead. if if there's uh, what the quarantine time is going into America. I know going into Japan, I think it's still two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's I what I had heard when I heard that Kenta had made came to America and that he was like laying low for two weeks. What I had thought he was going to be at the last AEW pay per view. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see. Um. It still it still bodes well for the future, just depending on when that future begins. Correct. 
And then we saw Hiroshi Tanahashi defeat Great Okan. Oh, Great Okan. I kind of want to go back. You know, I, I want to watch the whole thing, but I want to watch this because, of course, Tanahashi, the ace, amazing. He's easily the, the John Cena of New Japan. And Great Okan, he's a really intriguing beast. And uh, he's come back after being gone for years, and I just... I was intrigued with what I seen of him before, and I think he's going to be big in 2021, Pasty. I think he is, especially as part of the uh, Empire with Will Osprey and B Priestley. Yeah, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be big. We then had, uh, speaking of Will Osprey, a grudge match. Kazuchika Okada defeated Will Osprey, 35 minutes 41 seconds, Pasty. Can't have a Kazuchika Okada match that I miss. I caught this one for sure. Yeah. Did you catch this one? I didn't. I do want to go back and watch it. I've heard lots of good things about this one, and maybe I'll enjoy a Will Ospreay match for once. I'll tell you what. This uh, this pandemic has done good things for Okada because he looked in the best shape of his career. I just wanted to fuck the guy. Did he have honestly. good Jinder Mahal veins going on? Oh, no, he did not. <laughs> he actually looked sexy. Um, one thing I didn't realize, Rocky Romero brought up the fact that Okada has not used the Rainmaker since Wrestle Kingdom of last year. So I, with you know, with such few opportunities to see New Japan this year, I didn't notice that. So that was kind of a cool little. First of all, that was a cool little trivia thing. Second of all, you I knew like you were going to see a couple Rainmakers. Okada wrestles matches without using the Rainmaker. That's that's nice. You don't get that in wrestling. You don't see a lot. We were just talking about that with the quail thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, like, yeah, this is a main event guy who went an entire calendar year without using his main finisher. Of course, he uses the tombstone, and he has multiple other uh, finishes. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty cool also. Will Ospreay uh, suplexed Okada through a table, which... Uh, I just I love Japanese tables, pasty, because they're they're real. They're not gimmicked. They yeah. don't break in a straight line. Solid oak. They if <laughs> they break, they kind of break, and it looks like it hurts. Am I right? And they're so much smaller, so you know, like the it, the breaking point is higher. You know what I mean? It's so much more compact. Right, yeah. right, yeah, and it doesn't cover as much uh, body uh, uh, area on your body, so it hurts more too. So it's. But he, he just did a great suplex onto a table that just makes you feel like it's it's weird, folks. If you've never seen New Japan Pro Wrestling, just watch it because you can watch seven guys go through a table in WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, any of those. You watch one guy go through a table in New Japan, and you're like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it actually feels like it hurts. Um, they did a great job playing into the emotion of this story. Of course, this is the grudge match. The Empire is trying to raise up. Okada is kind of holding his own. It made a fantastic match. Excellent work from both. But I will say this. Was the chick from the grudge being, there? Special guest ref or something? That would have been cool. <laughs> I will say this, though, especially being a huge Okada. And, and actually, this probably is more to, to Will Ospreay's um, wrestling than anything else. I think it could have been a lot better with a crowd. Yeah. Um, this one well, was really hampered by 
by having a silent crowd. Out. Yeah, by having a crowd that could make noise. This was really hampered by having a silent crowd. But the ending was awesome. We've seen Kazuchiko Okada break out a Rainmaker, go for the pin, didn't get it. Tombstone pile driver followed by a Rainmaker, got the pin. That's a good way to win, buddy. Excellent. Yes, this is definitely what I'm going to go back and watch. Yeah, those golf claps just weren't doing it for me. No. <laughs> I didn't even get to the stomps, and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, then we had the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and Intercontinental Championship match. Seeing Kota Bushi defeat Tetsuya Naito. Who's seen this coming, Pasty? Not uh, I. I mean, it's big things have to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, right? That is true, but I honestly didn't think it would happen at night one. I, you and I both picked night two, you know, night one, retain the title, night two, uh, lose the title. Uh And I guess traditional wrestling tells you that's how it should go. That is not how it went though, pasty, obviously. Right. So with that being said, um... I did I did watch this one. It was a awesome main event, even for just a night one. Tons of awesome near falls. Excellent drama. And honestly, Ibushi's use of the V trigger, which I did not see coming, did that a couple times toward the end of the match, and I think that was a smart way to excite the marks and fuel speculation that AEW will be working with New Japan which has been talked about for the past year or so. So whether that's legit or not, it's a smart way to get people talking. Yeah. I think the best thing, though, was the post-match scene because after um, after Abushi um, lost or won, he didn't really realize that he'd won. And he went right back into it to try to get the pin again on Naito after the three count and it kind of it was reminiscent to like a a UFC fighter who wins the match and jumps right on the guy again because he's so in the moment he doesn't realize that the ref said he won just added some realization to it I thought I I realism I thought it was awesome good character building man not sure I'm sure he was doubting himself going into the match you know right and it's one thing to have the loser like kick out and then go after him or something, but to have the winner not notice he wins, you don't see that enough in wrestling, I think. Yeah, that's good stuff. And it's going to bode well for him and Kenny Omega, huh? (laughs) (laughs) God, that's going to be such a fun storyline with all the titles in the world on the line. It it will be. (laughs) I thought Ibushi did a good job really selling, though, how, how much this match took out of him because... You could tell he's still telling, not only did he win the match, not only did he tell the story after the match, but he's telling tomorrow's story for night two, the way that he was really just weary and injured, at least in kayfabe. So you're saying, you know, oh, he's got to defend against Jay White tomorrow. He's probably not ready for that. Like, he, he he's building up um, 
what's the word I'm trying to think of when you don't believe in something? Um, doubt. He's building yes. up doubt that he can that he can successfully defend the title. He just won, and I don't think anybody thought he'd win. Oh, it's good stuff. It, it is. We neither one of us picked him to win the match. No, we had a, a completely different view of um of the main event of both nights than what ended up happening. Should have booked it like AEW and New Japan are going to work together. That's how we should have predicted. We're right? fools. We're fools, Fat Mac. Because even if they're not going to, that's where the money lies. Right, yeah, yeah, because this definitely, like, even just talking about it, I haven't seen it yet, and I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is amazing. It's great. So... So it's awkward because neither one of us watched the whole show. I am going to assume, out of the matches I watched, Okada Osprey, I think, was the best match. Um, I honestly feel probably none of the other matches before this were better. But it's still just, I'm going to call that a tentative pick for right now. Um, do you want to Do you want to pick a tentative pick for best match or... I've heard the most good things about Okada Osprey. Have you? Yes. So probably tentatively going as far as this recording, we're going to go with Okada Osprey as the best match. Um, we may change our mind and we'll update you going forward. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna sit down and actually get through this this weekend. I think. And uh, me assuming that the three matches I watched were the best matches. I'm giving this match a final grade for night one, a B, also tentatively, because uh, those three matches deserve better than a B, but I wasn't interested enough in the first three, so to me that loses points, just the fact I wasn't interested enough, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably going to knock down my overall score, too, when it boils down to it, because it put me off entirely. Like, I was like, okay, with not watching it. <laughs> That shouldn't right. happen with Wrestle Kingdom. Do you uh, do you feel comfortable giving a final grade for night one or? I'm, I'm not going to, or... but I will have it for you next week. That's a guarantee. Okay. We'll just give you an we'll incomplete. Hit it up at the top enough. of the show. Yep. <laughs> so we got to move into night two, Pasty. Yes. Yes. Um, night two was pretty interesting because we got some. Uh, um, I didn't watch any of the pre-show, Pasty. I'm assuming you didn't either. No. Nope. But we got some stardom action, and yeah. I'm really happy that they started out. Again, they didn't put any women on the actual Wrestle Kingdom card, but the fact that they they had two stardom matches as their dark matches is still pretty awesome. We had a six woman tag match, Queen's Quest, which is Seiya Kaminati, Azim, and Utami Hayashishita. I don't know that I said any of those correctly, and I apologize. I've been high on Hashisha. I I know. <laughs> I don't know that I did it right, though. But they defeated Donna Del Mondo, which is Mecca, Natsupio, and Himeke. And I'm also going to admit that I don't know that I said any of those names right. I apologize. I think you did better on the first team. <laughs> I think I did also, but I apologize, but it, it's great. We got a little uh, female action, which is really cool. The other pre, uh, pre-show match, we had a tag team. We've seen Donna Del Mondo come back 
This time, though, it was represented by Siri and Julia. And I do know who Julia is, by the way. And they defeated Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano. And I, those two, I actually know who they are, and they're actually huge. Actually, Mayu Iwatani is one of the best women wrestlers today, globally. So um, probably a really good match. Julia's awesome. Tam Nakano's awesome. Uh, Siri, I don't really know that well, so I can't speak on that. If I can find this match, I'd like to watch it just to just to see a little more stardom action. I did but, hear good things about these matches that they're definitely worth going and watching. Yeah. I'm hoping next year maybe maybe they make it onto the main card. They should. Yeah, it's a obviously it's, it's a very eight hours of wrestling. Over there. I think you can. I think you can do that. I don't know. Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> it's just a, a different culture, and whether they will or not is you know. You know, nonetheless, that's where we were at there. Um, how do we start the show, Pasty? Uh, with a four-way King of Pro Wrestling 2021 trophy match, seeing Toru Yano defeat Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Bushi. This one I really want to see, because I want to see this goofy-ass motherfucker beat these badasses. <laughs> That's what I want to see, especially. I guess Bad since I didn't Fale. see the first match either, I could be wrong, and this might be the match he won without uh, actually participating. You'd think you'd have to participate a little bit at least to get the pin. Yeah. I mean, the other one, he only had to be in the final four, so that would make sense that he wouldn't have to participate. Right. Yeah. So that that you're probably correct in that. Um, Chase Owens, a, you know, regular wrestler, wrestler, bad luck Fale, badass, OGBC, and Bushi, we all know of the Golden Lovers. We also know him from uh, wrestling a blow-up doll in DDT, so he can have his fun matches. So that's kind of where I'm like, I wonder how much, I wonder, I, I want to see this match. It's got me intrigued. There's so many different fucking things, and it's only 7 minutes, 34 seconds, so... I'm intrigued. Didn't watch it, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> then we got, uh, do you have anything more to say or not? No, no. Ah. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, Suzuki Goon, represented by El Desperado and Yoshinobu K- Kenemaru. <laughs> you were so confident in the beginning there. I know, and then I just cut myself off randomly. <laughs> they defeated Ryusuke, Tagaguchi, and Master Wato. Yes. I love me some Suzuki Goon. We like the Suzuki Goon. They're goons, yes. but they're pretty Suzuki about it. If you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. Then we have the never over open weight championship match, seeing Shingo Takagi defeating Jeff Cobb. Motherfuckers, pause this goddamn podcast. Go to your goddamn computer or wherever you can find New Japan matches and watch this goddamn match now. Because that bad, I'll be huh? damned if this couldn't be match of the year for Beef 6 2021 Beefies. Just going to fucking say that right now. (laughs) 
I love I love the balls on New Japan to come out at the first pay-per-view anybody has of the year and put on the best match of the year. They do it every year, these sons every of year. bitches. <laughs> and, then, and then they can just take the rest of the year off. That's what they did in 2020. You know, they're like, oh, that's best, best pay-per-view it. of the year, best match of the year. We're good. Take the rest of the year off. Like, when exactly is that Japanese New Year's? <laughs> no, this is this is one hell of a match. This is one of those matches I really don't have much written about. This is the first match I watched of this night, too. Should have saved it for the last, because I, I, I'm just going to fucking, spoiler alert, best fucking match of both nights, I think. If you're picking and choosing which matches to watch like I did... This one should easily be on your list. You might like multiple things, and that's cool. Watch what you like. Watch who you like. Definitely fucking watch this one. Your Never Open Weight is always a fucking badass slobber knocker. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Takagi, Jeff Cobb, both amazing athletes who both actually, you know, they're in their Brody Lee stage, I would say. I mean, they're not at the top of their game right now. But they wanted to show everybody why they should deserve to get to the top of the game. Fucking, I I just love this match. Sorry, Pasty, I love this match. I can't wait to check it out. You should. You should. Oh, I will. I will. Following that, um, the only like non-like kind of title or gimmick match of night two, we have seen Sonata. And it's kind of a gimmick match because it, these are two uh, tag team partners against yeah. each other. Yeah. Sonata defeated Evil, and Pasty, who did Evil have with him? It, of course, is your favorite Chinese takeout order. Dick to go. Yes! <laughs> I'm so glad you let me say that because I've been, like, itching to say it since <laughs> I first read it. I'm I know like, you I fucking say love it. it. I want to say it. I'm going to cut him off. I'm going to cut him off so I can say it. Oh, no. I, I tee you up every time for that one, baby. Um, I, 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 how much of – did you watch any of Night 2? I don't think – No. No. Okay. So I'm going to step on I you I feel here, bad. But... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a heel tonight. Night, um, night 1, the beginning put me off so much that I just didn't. So first of all, this was a great match. I'm going to preface it by saying that. Then I'm going to get into my review, Pasty. They had the unfair draw following Takagi versus Cobb. But this match just didn't quite reach the level of intensity that I expected from a battle of these two long-term tag team partners battling on the WrestleMania of New Japan. Like, I, mm. I expected more. But again, that couldn't have been on me. It it wasn't bad at all. Not at all, not at all, not at all. But it just didn't feel as big and as special as I expected. And that very well might be due to the fact that I had just watched the Takagi Cobb match. And maybe if I watched this at, you know, first and then watched a couple of the other matches and then watched that one, this might seem a lot better. Great match. I recommend anybody watching this match. I loved it. Good psychology. It just, to me, they were just like just short of giving me the classic. I thought I was finna get out of it. Well, hopefully there's a part two. I have a feeling there will be. 
And then we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match seeing Hiromu Takahashi defeat Taiji Ishimori. Um, this, uh, fun fact, Pasty, this is actually the highest on the card that an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match has ever been on a Wrestle Kingdom card. And it's also the longest IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match in Wrestle Kingdom history. Great match start to finish. Um, obviously, not as good to, to me as a never openweight championship match, but uh, that is certainly debatable. On, honestly, any of these these pat these last few matches could main event a a normal card. You know what I mean? Like, any of them could be a main event of, a, of another card. It just so happens. And this this is actually probably why I don't like the fact that Wrestle Kingdom does two nights, because Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 just seems like filler to Night 2. Like, Night 2 has all these great fucking matches Night one could be a special event on it own, on its own or, or other shit. It just I don't know. It it, it it's pointless. It's like the the seventeen hour WrestleMania. It's pointless. It makes well the fact shit of the matter is, is you before. and they do almost every every uh, Wrestle Kingdom have have multiple men wrestling matches on both nights. Maybe they could do better if they had it spaced out a week. They could do better. I I think one hundred percent they could do better if they did that. I I think so. I mean, they My do opinion. get the they do they do get the tip of the hat. I mean, WWE ninety percent of the time, no ninety nine point nine percent of the time, because twenty twenty was the first time they didn't shove an eight hour WrestleMania down our throats in one day. <laughs> right. But, so I got to give them credit where credits due. At least they split it up over two nights. But I think a week difference would be better. I oh I a hundred percent agree with you. Hundred percent agree with you. Um. Then we had the uh, the main event. Kota Ibushi retained the title he won last night from Switchblade Jay White, keeping it out of the hands of the Bullet Club. This was you know this was a really good back and forth main event. Um. I don't know if it's bias on my part or what, but it seemed to me like Kota Ibushi kind of carried the match and Jay White was there. Jay I feel White, like Jay White's always just there. But, you know, he does do a good job of, like, he, he could be a good second, a good manager, a good outside guy. You know, he was, he was doing a lot of the, uh, fuck you, and, you know, he was really animated. And mm. I give him credit for that. But I just really feel like Ibushi, Ibushi does the work, and Jay White um, underscores things with with the verbals, which is fine. You know, he gets him in a submission, give up, give up, and he's very verbal and loud. But I I think he, for the position he's in, following people who have been in his same position, mm-hmm. he. He doesn't. He doesn't measure up. I don't feel. No, he's the least effective leader of the Bullet Club, if you could even call him that. I don't know. Is he for sure? 
I mean, I yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. The original Bullet Club members would tell you there was no leader, and it uh. was just all of them. And then things started getting goofy towards AJ Styles and Kenny Omega and whatever. Um, good. Actually, this is a uh, this is a very 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 good match. Um, where would I put it in terms of the rest of them? Um, you know, I'd put it above Sonata Evil. I'd put it below Jeff Cobb Tagaki. So I, I don't know. That that that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And wasn't the culmination of this match Jay White says saying he's leaving the company? No. Yeah. So um, best match for me of of this night. Obviously, you didn't watch it. I'm going with the never open weight. I I thought that was just fucking awesome. <laughs> I think that was probably the best match of the two nights. I just, I, I'm super over on it. Whatever. You know, whatever anybody else thinks. Um, for night two, I gave it an A grade. Again, I only watched four matches, but all four of those matches, all four of those matches could be the best match on any other pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I guess it tends to be the style with New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, isn't it? They'll, they'll give you, like, seven fucking main events in two nights, and then they'll give you three months of, yeah, they're good. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> Lately, at least. Well, they save it for the best shows. That's It makes sense. Yeah, actually, it does, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I for appreciate me, that I don't have a weekly television show I got to keep up with. That does help, doesn't it? Yes. So for me, at least tentatively, a final grade for both nights, because we're going to call this one night like we did last year. Am I of correct, Pasty? Yep. Okay. Um, since I gave a, an A to this night and a B to last night, I'm going to give it a B plus as opposed to an A minus, because um, I should have wanted to watch all the matches, and I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very That's fair. Alternative, these will change over time, I'm sure. Or maybe not, but whatever. Ooh. I hope you're ready for the main course, Fat Mac. Because it's time to snap into the Savage Sentinel. Pasty, I haven't had this much for a Sentinel in months. I've, I've been on a diet, and I've been having these low-cal Sentinels, these shortage Sentinels I haven't really filled up on. I don't know if I can take all of this. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a joke in there. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. The International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, IPWHF, announced they would hold their first ever induction ceremony at the Desmond Hotel on August 28, 2021 in Albany, New York. Once the pandemic subsides... Yeah, we'll see if if August is that. The IPWHF will be looking for a physical location. That's cool. I'm really excited that a Hall of Fame that's not WWE is actually getting some uh, some legs to stand on. I like that. The inaugural induction ceremony will include 24 wrestlers: Andre the Giant, Antonio Inoki, Bruno Sammartino. Buddy Rogers, Danny Hodge, 
Ed Strangler Lewis, Evans, wait, Evan Strangler Lewis, Frank Gotch, George ha Hackenschmidt. There's Giant. a couple of them Strangler Lewis's yeah. buddy. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, Giant Baba, Great Gamma, Luthez, Martin Farmer Burns, Mil Mascaras, Paul Pons, Ric Flair, Ricky Dozen, Satoru Sayama, Stanislas Zabisco, uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, Terry Funk, William Muldoon, Yusuf Ismali, and of course, Hulk Hogan. Fuck. I think it's awesome that this is going to be an international Hall of Fame, especially. Yeah. So it's not just American. I mean, there's people from all walks of pro wrestling in here. This is really cool. I'd like to visit this someday when no, it becomes Mr. an T, actual. No, Mr. T, though, what the fuck? It isn't, it isn't a WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> His mama isn't there. But, of course, they have people like Danny Hodge that everybody knows, I'm sure, who's a pro wrestling fan, right, Pasty? Yep, yep. Yeah, Andre the Giant took the biggest shits. Um, you know, he used to have to, when he'd stay in hotels, he had to uh, either poop in the toilet or he'd poop on the uh, he he'd poop in a bed sheet and wrap it up and just set it out there because he could not sit on a toilet. Yeah, yeah. Imagine he'd have to have a, a rather large throne. It'd be rough. Of course, <laughs> you got uh, you got folks like Mil Mascaras, who is one of the biggest uh, Hispanic stars. Ricky Dozen, who was uh, a huge, both literally and figuratively, pasty Pazow. Um, um, sumo wrestler before he got into pro wrestling, very legitimate. And uh, Hulk Hogan, who none of us would be talking about pro wrestling today if it wasn't for him. Yeah, even and though he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I'll tell you what, whether he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame or not, Pasty, Hulkster has opened his new Hogan's Hangout restaurant this weekend in Clearwater, Florida. Oh boy, another Hogan restaurant. I can't wait. Yes, the soft open began Sunday, December 27th, just this last weekend, and the establishment is located at 499 Mandalay Avenue. The official website can be found at hogan'shangout.com, no spaces there, and features exclusive merchandise and the menu, which pasty, uh, I took some time to uh, peruse his menu. Check out some of the offerings he has, which include such items as the Colossal Shrimp Cocktail, Eat Your Veggies, Hogan's Cuban, That's wrong. The Nash Villain, <laughs> New Burger Number Two. I did check, there is not a New Burger Number One. No? Just to let you know. Does this burger have feces in it? Well, there was one item simply called, It's a Spicy. I bet it's spaghetti, huh? The, the eatery is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m., which is awesome hours, by the way. The website notes that the restaurant is 6,500 square feet, two stories, and features 29 televisions with premier packages. 
What you gonna do, brother, when Pasta Mania and Hogan's Hangout run wild on you? It's a spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He's... He should just stick to opening restaurants and naming meals. That should be. I'm telling you, this motherfucker knows how to make money if he does nothing else in his life. (laughs) I want him to make, like, Chef Boyardee canned food company. (laughs) Remember when he used to do the Chef Boyardee commercials before Mick Foley? Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I want to eat there someday. I honestly do. I would love to. Actually, I want to go to Jimmy's Seafood in, um, God, is it in Philadelphia? No. Anyway, Jimmy Hart's Seafood Restaurant. It's called Jimmy's Seafood. I want to say it's in Philadelphia. I could be wrong about that, but um, that's supposed to be a pretty wild spot with some really good seafood. Hell yeah. And he's got like a lot of memorabilia and, and whatnot, as you would expect. But if you want to eat at Hogan's Hangout, I recommend you get there soon because Pasta Mania didn't last very long. No, brother. (laughs) Major League Wrestling announced Monday that the weekly MLW Fusion show will be available on the Roku channel. This began on Wednesday, January 6th with the Kings of Coliseum major event. The 2021 MLW Kings of Coliseum event was previously planned as a pay-per-view. But MLW decided to give it away for free as a special thank you to fans. Kings of Coliseum will then air on Be In Sports January 9th. Tomorrow, folks! And yes, folks, don't you worry. We're going to have the results of all four matches of that major event later on in the show. (laughs) Pick it up, MLW. This is the second time you disappointed us with a special show. Why you gotta do that two times? Fool me right. once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or you could say it the, the George Bush way. Yeah. That's even better. I don't remember the George Bush way. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. D- d- don't fool me again. <laughs> Somebody who isn't gonna be fooled easily, pasty, is Montel Vontavius Porter. Or... Montel Von Porter? Yeah, <laughs> likes to call him Montel Von Porter. Uh, he won the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championship in the 2020 World Master IBJJF Jiu-Jitsu Championship Tournament, which took place in Kissimmee, Florida at Silver Spurs Arena on December 19th, the day before the TLC pay-per-view, making that quite a big one for Porter. Uh, of course it happened in Florida. The only, that's the only place anything can happen right now. <laughs> MVP competes under his real name, Hassan Hamin Assad. How did he not use that in normal life? Nobody would ever feel that was racist. <laughs> I actually love that name, Hassan Hamin ha- Assad. I think, yeah, I think it sounds good. It sounds good. Um, Vince doesn't know that's his real name because otherwise he'd be sure he as a doesn't. terrorist or something. Um, but anyways, he competes under his real name in the Masters GI, Master 4, Purple Division. He represents Gracie Barra Champions, which is based in Houston, Texas. So good for MVP. Not only did his team, the Hurt Lockers, win gold 
on the TLC pay-per-view that weekend, but he won gold in a legit fight. Which is better. That weekend. Which is, yeah, which is better. And he doesn't even get to wrestle in WWE. <laughs> But he's That's kicking motherfuckers' ass in real life. That's such a shame. Uh, he's so good. You know who else uh, practices a little BJJ? Who CM might be that? Punk. I'd like yeah. to see these two tussle it in the octagon. Yeah, MVP would fuck him up. <laughs> the first, no questions. First ever UFC triple threat: MVP, CM Punk, and Jake Hager. There you go. And I still Brock Lesnar cashes in Money in the Bank partway through the match. Brock Lesnar would win between those <laughs> four. <laughs> Not a question. Not a question. He'd be like, uh, he'd be, he'd be like fucking Santa Claus coming down the chimney and just fucking tearing up the whole house. You know what I mean? Black City, bitch. As Santa Claus is so known as saying, he is. Maybe that was Dwanta Claus. Maybe. Well, however it be, Dwayne the Rock Johnson responded to a fan named Justin Abel, who asked for Rock to retweet his link to his eBay page, Nerdy Comic Books. Justin noted that he was trying to raise some money to be able to provide his children with Christmas gifts. Johnson wrote back, "You're the kind of dad, and a you're kind of you're this kind of dad, and a retweet is all you want." I'll have a bit more in mind for you. Stay ready. You're a good man, Jay. We need more like you. Dwanta Claus. Rock's tweet led to Justin appearing on the Some Good News show with John Krasinski. Woohoo! The widowed father of two was joined on the show by The Rock, who told Abel, You are what the holidays are all about. You embody the spirit. And I feel very confident I can speak for my friend John here in that you know the true measure of a man and true measure of a human being truly is always what's in their heart. Always what's deep down in their heart and their mana. Speaking of which, my mana tequila. <laughs> he also promised to take care of the Christmas wish list from Justin's kids and give them a visit to his set of the Black Adam movie from DC Comics. That's super fucking badass. That is really cool. That's, you know, God, you just never hear a bad thing about Dwayne Johnson. Ever, 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 right? Right. He's never had a scandal. He's never had a, a videotape come out. Never, and then he does shit like this. That's like he doesn't need to. There's no reason. He should have ran for president. I'm saying. I'm saying I'd vote for him. Mm-hmm. Somebody else that I would vote for President Pasty is uh, former AEW Women's Champion Nyla Rose. But even though she didn't get the presidency, uh, she got another award. Of course, the OutSports announced that, or she, she almost got an award. OutSports announced that Nyla Rose was one of the nominees for OutSports Female Athlete of the Year. When Nyla Rose won the AEW World's Women's Championship in February of 2020, she became the first trans woman to win an award, a world title in a major U.S. wrestling promotion. Venezuelan triple jumper Yulimar Rojas ended up being awarded the Female Athlete of the Year. 11-time WNBA All-Star Sue Bird was also nominated. 
Outsports is a sports news website focusing on LGBTQ plus issues and personalities in amateur and professional sports. So big ups to Nyla Rose. That's pretty uh, pretty awesome for her being one of three nominated for this award. That is wonderful. In other news, WWE applied to trademark the term The Collective on December 15th with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It is unclear what exactly WWE intends to do with the mark, but it's worth noting t- that professional wrestling already has the collective in, in use in the independent scene. GCW has used the name for past several years to brand their WrestleMania weekend events, so it's safe to assume this would be WWE's way, WWE's way of halting an established brand to try to reduce the amount of fans attending other pro wrestling events during their biggest weekend of the year. GCW has run the collective with some of the top promotions on the independent scene, including Black Label Pro, Freelance Wrestling, and AIW. The event has also become home to several specially themed and tentpole events, like For the Culture and Josh Barnett's Blood Sport. And Pasty, you uh, you so much pointed out that it's also the. Um... It's also the Nightmare Collective in AEW, yes. so they kind of have, they could be Just double, take double another shot. another crack at taking down the Dark Order, you know? <laughs> right, it could be a double shot. Um, but I will say that uh, GCW definitely noticed this pasty because just days after WWE filed for the trademark to the collective game changer wrestling also filed to trademark the collective, which they've used for the, for over the past two years, GCW made their filing on December 21st, as opposed to December 15th. So they were after, but they listed their first use and first use in commerce dates as September, 2018. The following use description was included, saying entertainment in the nature of wrestling contests, entertainment services, namely wrestling exhibits and performances by a professional wrestler and entertainer, organizing conventions for professional wrestling and sports entertainment, providing wrestling news and information via a global computer network. So they're definitely fighting back. They they <laughs> they can tell WWE's taking a shot at them. And to be fair, that's their biggest event of the year and brings them in the most money and brings a lot of independent wrestlers a huge paycheck. They're going to fight tooth and nail for it. Yeah, they are. And I think they, 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 they should win it. I mean, they have used they it. it. It's clear WWE is just trying to do some shady, shiesty shit. Yeah, I think they will just for the fact that I can't think of any time WWE's used the term collect the collective. Like AEW, like you mentioned, AEW could could argue, oh, we want the Nightmare Collective, so the collective should be our trademark. I can't think of anything WWE's done that was close to the collective. Yeah. Retribution. <laughs> the collective. <laughs> We're retributing on what we need to collect. Uh, bah. Bah. 
Siliana Gaspard, the widow of Shad Gaspard, filed court papers on Monday against the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, and Los Angeles County, according to the LA Daily News. The suit alleges negligence over her husband's death and dangerous condition of public property. Siliana alleges there were insufficient signs posted to warn of the dangers of swimming in this location, that lifeguards who tried to rescue her husband and sad son were understaffed and not properly trained, and that they did not bring proper equipment for the rescue. Siliana further alleges that the rescuers assisted his son, Aria, but left Shad Gaspard in the water to die. But he told them to leave him. Maybe he just wanted to get away from her. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm kind of the same way. It's like you you can't build him up to be a hero because he told them to leave him and get his son and then sue them for not getting him. Yeah. Um I you know, hey, I don't blame her for trying. Go ahead if you can get it and if you earned it, fucking do it. I'm okay with that, you know. Honestly, and this is sad, but I'm sure she did this Monday because of all the money that's been raised for for John Huber's family. Oh, and I'm sure no money was raised for Gaspard, or very little in comparison. Yeah, but he wasn't a good person, so, you know, fuck him. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not buying this. I hate to say that, but I'm just not. And you know what? She had so much public outpouring and support for her and she got so many donate we 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 fucking said news reports and we commented on how much support she was getting from wrestlers and so many people contributed and donated. She's got shit ton of money from people. Mm. Just what the fuck is this, you greedy cunt? Yeah, you can tell it's a reach because she filed three different lawsuits hoping to win one, you know? Hoping to settle. settle. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. She puts three out so she can settle on one. You know what I mean? It's the ocean. It's fucking dangerous to swim in. It's your risk every time you go in. Nobody posted signs saying that even... Yeah, I'm not going to say That's a cheap joke. I'm going to say that. But nonetheless... Like, fucking get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Um, I thought Chad Jaspar's or Gaspard's life was, uh, I, you know, hey, this is the perfect example here. I thought his life was over-dramatized, and I think that John Huber's life was given the credit it deserved. Now, maybe Chad Gaspard was just as good of a person as John Huber, but I have not read, I have not heard those things before. Yeah, there definitely and wasn't like every wrestler way. in the industry coming forward with positive things to say after no. the fact. There was a lot of shock and disbelief. Plus, honestly, part of his death is his own fault, where none of John's is his own fault, at least as far as we know of. We don't we don't know what led to it, but Yeah. Don't well, go the biggest, biggest problem with Shed Gaspard is Kobe did it first. Yeah, that's true too. Plus, nobody knows who Chad Gaspard is. Who's Chad Asperger's again? Oh, jeez. I know. Pacey, I'm sorry. We got more legal news just than fucking Chad Asperger's. 
On December 17th, former WWE talent Brett DiBiase pled guilty to making fraudulent statements in what was called the largest public embezzlement scheme in Mississippi history. And, Pasty, this wasn't WWE saying it, so you have to assume it might have some validity. WLBT reports that DiBiase, the son of the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, pled guilty in December. Yes. As we reported at the beginning of last year, he was originally arrested back in February 2020 and charged with conspiring with others to defraud the Mississippi Department of Human Services. DiBiase was paid $48,000 acting as the Business Restore 2 LLC using a series of fraudulent and false claims to receive payment. He is also accused of helping cover up these payments by falsifying documents, invoices, books, reports, and ledgers. Investigators charged that former Mississippi DHS workers created invoices to pay DiBiase for teaching classes about drug abuse. But he did not teach these classes as he was being treated for opiate abuse at a luxury rehab facility in Malibu, California instead. Don't you fucking love that? Oh, so good. That's awesome. <laughs> I just fucking love that. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm, I'm proud of him. these guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> he got sent to. He got sent to rehab. Teaching you how to do I, rehab, right, bitch? <laughs> he got sent to rehab, and he's taking fucking funds because he's teaching these motherfuckers. Why didn't I think of that, Pasty? That's awesome. That's not that's not wrong. This motherfucker's He knows how to make his money. He's yeah. a hustler. Let him keep that money. He's got it down. <laughs> and of course his stay was paid for with state welfare money. Whoa. Gotta love Just it. gets better. We might have a, a new Jerry of the Year already. <laughs> Too <laughs> right. I fucking absolutely love this. DiBiase was one of the six arrests made back in February, all of which were part of more than four million in embezzled government money. Sheesh. And, and basically, we should admit that um, Ted DiBiase uh, Jr. and uh, um and uh, Ted DiBiase both are under suspicion for helping cover up. I don't think either one will probably um, get anything for it, and they're probably not even involved. It's probably just because they're celebrities, but it is something to mention. Something else to mention, Ann Wolf of Mississippi Today reported that DiBiase pled guilty to making fraudulent statements. His conspiracy charge was dropped, DiBiase also agreed to help the state in its remaining in its remaining cases. Snitch. <coughs> His sentence has been delayed since that. Regarding the restitution DiBiase has agreed to pay back, he made a payment of five thousand dollars. Oh, five thousand he made on this. I think you got a little bit more than that. <laughs> Wolf noted that five thousand that the five thousand won't go back to the welfare program because in Mississippi restitution payments go first to pay off court costs before money is paid to the victim. 
So he built... So this motherfucker, he built the welfare system. He gets... For $4 million. Yeah. He he has to pay 5000 The 5000 doesn't go to the welfare. It goes to the fucking court for trying him for bilking welfare out of $4 million. <laughs> Who's the real fucking criminal here, pasty? That's, that's fucking... That's criminal. The judge is his friend. That's it. That's... <laughs> That's so fucked up. When Wolf was asked on Twitter if the former WWE talent will be incarcerated, she responded, the court delayed sentencing while DiBiase cooperates with the state on other cases. (laughs) Five remaining former MDHS director John Davis and employee Vladimir Smith, Mississippi Community Education Center owners, Nancy and Zach knew an accountant, Ann McGrew. Wow. What are so all those never... people doing mixed up with a wrestler related? <laughs> I just, the, the thing, I, I hate that the thing that stands out to me the most about this is how dirty the fucking government is. Right. Four million was embezzled, for, embezzled from welfare. You have to pay 5000 but that's going to go to your court fees. Well, fuck you. That's It's like saying, fuck? well done, pal. Share yeah, some of the wealth. The, the court should Teach us how anything. to do that. The court is paid from the same taxpayers that pay the welfare, so the court should get nothing. Welfare should get their $4 million back <laughs> to help people that need help on welfare. <laughs> what the fuck is this? God damn. And you know what the best part is? It's like that's the perfect gimmick for the million. Right. Yeah. Man. The million dollar man. Dude. Will ever wonder how he got that million dollars? Right. I think he taught his kids well. Oh, Brett fucking walking into the courtroom. Every man has a price. right here for your judge. I'm usually the million dollar man. But today my pocket's a little light. I roll over on everybody who was in here with me because I'm a heel. (laughs) Worst part Uh, is... You can't work yourself into a shoot, brother. The worst part is Mike Jones would probably be right there fucking with it. Handing out fucking uh, coupons to Olive Garden. <laughs> fucking Mike Jones, that sad uh, son of a bitch. Sad Woo! son of a bitch. You're talking about MLW Kings of Coliseum, right? That that super hype event that was really hyped up and it was four matches, not even adding up to like an hour. Uh Yes, MLW Kings of Coliseum 2021. What a show it was. I think I didn't watch it. I'm really bad at watching shows. I don't know. Show started off with a grudge match. Hmm, wonder where they got that idea from. Seeing Jordan (laughs) Oliver defeat Simon Gotch. Um, yeah, didn't watch it. 
Don't know. Uh, Jordan Oliver beat Simon Gotch. You know, the, the question is, what's uh, what's going to go on with uh, Injustice moving forward? Um, I don't know. I didn't watch <laughs> it. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I would have watched it if it was John Oliver. That would be awesome. John Oliver versus Simon Gotch. Now there's a money match. I like I like Jordan Oliver. I like him part of Injustice and everything. And um, I'm trying to think who's the uh the the tag team that just left from Injustice uh because they got kicked out of their treehouse. Um, Rascals? No, yeah, Rascals. Rascals. Got, yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you. So um, oh no, that's 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 I'm, impact. I'm, I'm like that's, that's not right unless they're that's not Injustice. <laughs> I was thinking of I was mixing it. Hey, see, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> It's a ter- Texas Tornado Tag Team in your brain, Fat Mac. Uh, I'm still... <laughs> that brings us to the Texas Tornado Tag Team Championship match. The Von Erichs, Marshall and Ross Von Erich, defeated the Dirty Blondes, Leo Bryan, and Michael... Michael... Michael. Who the fuck is Michael? Michael. Uh, Michael and Michael. Patrick and, and Matrick. It's Michael Matrick. Leo Bryan and Michael Matrick. Oh, yeah. So that happened. So the Von Erichs kept their title. Of course they did. They're the Von Erichs. What did you expect? So, Pacey, the first two matches, we have less than nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, actually, no. What do we have? Exactly nine minutes? Yeah, nine yeah. minutes. <laughs> That's funny. Then Ooh. we have the World Middleweight Championship match, seeing Leo Rush defeat Myron Reed. This one I want to watch. I, I do want to, to watch them. this one because I want to see these guys outside of WWE doing what they do best. Right. Leo Rush is good. Myron Reed is awesome. Yes, yes. Myron Reed is also part of Injustice with with uh, John Oliver on um, last week tonight. <laughs> John Oliver <laughs> as Zazu from the terrible remake of the Rock. Zazu. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but they got they got over 14 minutes for this, so that was cool. Um, yeah. The only match that got double digits in minutes. Well, I mean, so the, rock on. They're ex WWE guys. You got to give them the time. I am. Uh, I'm sad that the next one, the National Openweight Championship, which ended up in a double countout, only got six minutes and 20 seconds. Don't know what happened there for a double countout. It should have went much longer. Anyways, Alexander Hammerstone keeps his championship against Mads Kruger, obviously because it's a double count out. No title changes hands. Thrilling way to end the show the same week as New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) I get that that they wanted to change it from a pay-per-view to a free special because they got the the Roku deal and that's probably part of the Roku deal. But god damn. You know, I'm almost positive it was this exact same pay-per-view last year that did the same thing. <laughs> probably is. I think it was. I I swear to god, beginning of the year. It probably is. Like I would have cut out one of these matches and let the rest of them go a good 5 minutes longer or something or I don't. I, I'd have been okay with like three matches that each went fifteen minutes or so, maybe. 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, Pasty. I don't know. have an answer. Didn't watch it. I don't think we're going to go back to it. I don't even think we're going to. We're going to give this an NA grade, right? Like, like you talked about yeah. earlier. Yeah. This is an NA grade, right? I don't think either one of us are going to go back and watch the whole fucking thing, right? Yeah, definitely not. We're starting the goddamn year off with an NA grid. Thank you, fucking MLW, which used to be our favorite goddamn promotion. <laughs> we had a fuck up 2021, bitches. Oh, well, they're gone from our fucking list of best promotions. And that brings us pasty to the comings and goings. Move it in, move it out. Put it in, put it out. Disco lady. That's the new theme song for comings and goings. I can dig it, but I don't. Do you dig it, sucker? Can you dig it, sucker? A British rapper made a song called Booker T, and Booker T's in the music video. And he looks way more. Booker T. Washington? No, it's actually about, it's just, it's just a rap song, but it's called Booker T. He curls his mustache in the video, though, which is something I don't think I've ever seen him do before, but I liked it. Booker does it? Yeah. I have not seen that before. Yeah, he's got the full beard and everything, too. It was Pretty cool. B.A. Yeah, I yeah. dig it, son. <laughs> he uh, might win coming? the beefy for best facial hair next year. <laughs> uh, he, fuck, who knows? What's <laughs> going on with the comings and goings, pasty? Bring, bring, bring us in here. Bring us in here. Bring us in. Bring us in. Bring us in. WWE has signed Matt Riddle to a new contract. Although, he's just Riddle now. Riddle's previous contract expired in August 2021, according to the Wrestler Observer Newsletter. It was noted that Riddle has agreed to terms for a three-year contract at $400,000 guaranteed per year. Riddle would also make 50000 for every show that he works in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it is said WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon doesn't really understand Riddle's bro gimmick, but he loves the vignettes that Riddle has featured in. Vince reportedly find Riddle's vignettes to be hilarious. I think Vince just likes the fact that he could pin him with uh, Jeff Hardy and call him the Hardy Bros. Even though he's well, just Riddle now and not Matt. I, I love the fact though that hurts my brain. Vince Vince doesn't get the bro gimmick, but he loves he loves the vignettes with Riddle and he loves Riddle's and he finds Riddle's vignettes hilarious. That's his bro That's gimmick. The bro gimmick. Yeah, right. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? That's what, that's what it is, you dumbass. God, fucking Vince. Either he either should go. He should go by the name Bro Kin. Matt Riddle. Kin. I like it. Yes, because he's like folk with Jeff Hardy. That'd be great. They, they should do that. I like it, Pasty. And you know what? If uh, if we can actually get this uh, virus under control and bring the pandemic down, good things are going to happen internationally. And WWE is banking on that because ta- top international indie wrestler Ben Carter has officially joined WWE and will soon be part of NXT UK. Is that EC4? BC4? It's, it's not. Okay. It's not. Yeah, I, just, I just killed that story, huh? You did. <laughs> I don't even know if I should continue. <laughs> I guess I will. 
The show must go on. The 22-year-old UK native was trained by Seth Rollins and Merrick Brave at their Black and Brave Wrestling Academy here in the United States, actually, pasty, in Iowa, the corn capital of fucking nobody cares. Rollins praised Carter and said he has what it takes to make it to the top. He also com- compared Carter to Dynamite Kid and Eddie Guerrero, which is just setting him up for fucking failure. Right, yep. Yep. Why would you do that? <clears throat> not good. Not cool. <laughs> the Southern psychopath Mance Warner revealed on his adfreeshow.com show, Mance explaining that old Mancer did ask for his release from MLW. And that's kind of where we're at right now. It is what it is. Where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. I'm always going to be at Game Changer Wrestling and IWA Mid-South. But after that, I got no idea what's going on. Me either, pal. And here comes the the free and cheap plug for adfreeshows.com. Just fucking go on there. It's goddamn amazing. If you've ever enjoyed anything about something to wrestle, wrestle with, 83 Weeks... Uh, what happened when with Tony Schiavone, Grillin' JR, any of that stuff. This goes fucking in-depth with so much interview with behind-the-scenes people and special shows like Mansplaining that you don't get anywhere else. Just so much awesome fucking shit. I think it's worth all. Uh, it's worth the money you fucking pay. Go to adfreeshows.com. Video, you get everything on video. That's and nice. you get it early and ad free. Ho-ho. Speaking I don't of early, know what I do without Jericho's uh, Omaha steaks commercials. Ah, oh, we like Omaha. We just don't like their steaks. <laughs> the motherfuckers. ROH announced Tuesday that Bandito has officially re-signed with Ring of Honor. There's no word on how long the contract is for at this point. But the Mexican superstar first signed with ROH in 2018. He currently holds the ROH World Six Man titles with Flamita and Rey Horus as the Mexa Squad, but is not competed since February due to COVID 19 travel restrictions. He is stuck down south of the border, Jan Mexico Way. Ring of Honor also announced that UK star Mark Haskins has signed a new deal with the company. Haskins originally signed with Ring of Honor in December of 2018 and was scheduled to challenge Roosh for the Ring of Honor world title at the Ring of Honor 18th anniversary show this past March. But the event was nixed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And similarly to Bandito, Haskins has not appeared for Ring of Honor since then due to coronavirus travel restrictions. But Ring of Honor noted that keeping Haskins in the fold has been a priority. Yes, yes. In other news, Brian Johnson has signed a new Ring of Honor contract. Ring of Honor announced today the Mecca has officially re-signed with the company. Johnson was a member of the first class of the new Ring of Honor dojo in 2018 and competed in the 2019 Top Prospect Tournament, but lost in the first round to Austin Gunn. 
He made his final battle debut last month, losing to Danhausen by disqualification. Yes, he did. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Danhausen, um, oh, who the fuck does he have a comic book with now? Um, oh, Warhorse, called Warhausen. Nice. Um, uh, kind of a graphic novel. I recommend anybody who's interested. I haven't read it. I don't have it. But I know that um, I, it's either a limited series or a one-time graphic novel. But, yeah, Danhausen and Warhorse. And there's a couple other uh, indie wrestlers that make appearances in it. I recommend pick that up. I'm going to look for it because I would definitely love to uh, support them in, yeah. in any outside activities that they have. Be a damn good collector's item, that's for sure. Oh, another collector's item for sure. Sadly, any Marty Skrull Ring of Honor merch that you have because it was announced on Monday. Skrull and Ring of Honor have mutually parted ways. The villain signed the most lucrative contract in Ring of Honor history last year. But alas, Ring of Honor stopped using him after accusations were made against him during the, quote, hashtag speaking out, unquote, movement in June of 2020, and of course, I got inspiration of the year for the Beefies Awards, and that's just a sneak peek. If you want to know more of the Beefy Awards and you haven't listened yet, go back to our sister episode of this, a special episode that has not only all of our Beefy Awards, but a beautiful tribute to the man known as Brody Lee, Luke Harper, real name John Huber. Definitely check it out because we really lay it out there. Plus, the Beefy Awards are always super fun. And you, it's a celebration. And, 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 yeah, and, and it's very eclectic. I mean, there's really a variety this year, folks. You'd be surprised. Uh, with that being said, Meltzer said on Wrestling Observer Radio he doesn't see AEW signing Skrull. However, he believes New Japan would likely sign Skrull unless the pandemic makes it too difficult for their current situation. Meltzer also pointed out that Skrull, who is not a U.S. citizen, has been living in the U.S. and would have to find another job to keep his visa and stay in the country. So that's actually something to uh, think about. If he doesn't yeah. get signed to a U.S. company, he he has to go back to Europe. I mean, he could get a visa to work in Asia, in uh, China or Japan or you know anywhere you know anywhere else, but can't stay. Well, only time will tell. See where he goes. I still think AEW. It's just that this everything is lining up, you know. And it just it'd be like interesting. Another... Another cog. I guess, like I said, it all depends on on what comes out. Like, did it did it happen? Was it just an accusation? I haven't heard anything further in it. But uh, no, and you know, it really does. Like you said, it really does depend on what comes out. Because as far as a performer, I'm all over Skrull. I'll back him one hundred percent. Now, if he did what he's accused of, I will back not oh, yeah. booking him 100%. Yep, but easily can live without him. 
you know, it's, yeah, it depends on what comes of this. Yes. So this next one's kind of weird because it seems like it's a part two to something else. Well, Brian Myers? Yeah. What do you say? Well, Myers took to Twitter this evening and announced that he's officially signed with the company. He included a photo of his contract and thanked Anthem president Ed Nordholm. Thanks for the money, Eddie. You just made the best decision of your life. You now have a workhorse in the prime of his career with a massive chip on his shoulder signed to your roster. The most professional wrestler. Impact Wrestling is now mine. Oh, Brian Myers definitely signed long-term to Impact Wrestling. Yes. Good for him. Good for him. Still not, I'm still not really sold on him. He needs to prove himself to me. Everything yeah. I've seen of him, he's been mid-card, lower mid-card. Every company know. needs those guys, though. That That is true. And I'd hate to see Impact make him a world champion. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. he was the WWE guy. Yeah. Uh, this is a big one. OVE's Jake Christ is a free agent as of January 1st. Pasty and is currently looking for bookings in the new year. Signing with Impact in August of 2017, Christ is a one-time Impact World Tag Team Champion and one-time X Division Champion. His last match was back in June, picking up a win over Crazy Steve. He's since mostly worked in IWA Mid-South for the rest of 2020. Jake's tag partner and brother Dave Christ was released in June after allegations were made against him in the aforementioned Speaking Out movement. Jake commented on the prospect of being a free agent, saying, quote, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just trying to focus on me and my character, the modern man in black. This is the first time that I am not in a tag team, not in a faction. I need to prove myself not only to the fans, but to me. I feel like I need to prove myself as a singles performer. So that's what I'm going to do, and I am taking the opportunity. And that's what I'm striving to do on any type of level. If I end up on TV somewhere, I hope I do. But if I don't, I'm happy being an independent professional wrestler. So here's one of those, uh, you know, he he's an innocent bystander in that hashtag in uh, uh, um, speaking, speaking out, out movement. You know what I mean? Because his brother, Dave Chris, uh, did do something wrong. At least we all believe he did. But he is kind of, you know, he was a tag team, and now he's kind of blackballed. That's all he's ever been. He was part of Jay, the Chris brothers. He was part of OVE. It's well, sad. It's time to see if he can stand on his own, though. True. This could be a blessing in disguise. Right. Is he the Edge or is he the Christian? We'll find out. Christian's better than Edge, so... <laughs> Fuck your whole ass. <laughs> How many times has Edge been NWA world champion? Answer that, my friend. As many times as Christian has because they're they're brothers. No, he hasn't. Christian's <laughs> been at once. Edge has been zero. How many best matches in the world has Christian put on? Fucking way better than Edge because they're outside of WWE. <laughs> 
You know who'd love that joke, Fat Mac? Who's that? Veteran talent, Madison Rain. Oh, wow. Yes. And she'd have all the time in the world to love that joke because she is retired from the pro wrestling business. Oh, wow. Rain was working at Impact Wrestling doing commentary with her husband, Josh Matthews. PW Insider reports that she left the company to take on a new full-time job outside of pro wrestling. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that the split in amicable and impact officials are still looking for Rain's color commentary replacement. Rain has worked with Impact TNA several times over the years, first signing with the company in 2009, before she worked for Shimmer and Wrestlelicious. That's what I haven't heard of before. Cool. You haven't heard of Wrestlelicious? No. <laughs> I like it, though. There you go. <laughs> Could have been our podcast name. Right? Might still be in the future. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> in between her runs with Impact and TNA, she's also worked for Ring of Honor and others. She worked the WWE May Young Classic, losing to Mercedes Martinez in the first round. Her third return to Impact came in March 2019. She reportedly signed a multi-year contract the day after her Ring of Honor deal expired. Rain has been doing commentary since the beginning of last year. She leaves Impact as a five-time Knockouts champion, a two-time Knockouts tag team champion. She is a super talented pro wrestler, and I am going to break kayfabe right now And say I would have been happy with having her be on our um, Beefies Award for a commentary team with Josh Matthews. Yes. Well, they were definitely in the runnings. I, they, they were easily second place. I can't yeah. argue. They NXT definitely beat out AEW. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, hello, Rock beat out AEW. Yeah, it came, it came down to, you know, they were longer and NXT was shorter, but those three are just so damn good together. But I, I, I mean, I'm Madison Rain. Come on, her resume speaks for itself. Oh yeah, yeah, true, true legend in the business. Give it up to her. I would love to see her come back in the wrestling business somehow. She doesn't need to wrestle, but, but I wish her the best of luck in. Uh, not her future endeavors, but whatever she endeavors in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. And pasty, that brings us to the first ever injury report of 2020, as WWE would call it. 2021. Yeah. We did plenty of them last year. Uh, WWE lies about what they do, remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right. See? Kofi Kingston lost some teeth. Oh, no. Yeah, Kofi Kingston lost some teeth in the match against Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander at TLC. The old uh, fake Jamaican, real South African, took to Twitter posting some of his teeth and saying, hats off to Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander tonight. I'm still spitting out pieces of my teeth. You've officially earned my respect. Good battle. I'm thoroughly looking forward to the next one. Yeah, when he gets a couple receipts in. Well, I'm just sitting here thinking, as a pro wrestler, should you really be respecting the people that actually injured you? Right, yeah. Or aren't they supposed to take care of you? 
Right. It was probably like sideways and snarky. That's what I, I take. Oh, it I as. know. It, oh, it is. It's fun. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander are pros. I'm not a huge Cedric Alexander fan at all, but huge Benjamin fan. <clears throat> Remember the Minnesota Wrecking Crew? Yes, God, they were awesome. Of course. Hell yeah. God, they were Cameron Grimes underwent surgery three weeks ago and will be out of action until he is medically cleared to compete, estimated at four to six weeks, or meaning we could see him back as soon as next week. There was no confirmation yet on what kind of injury the operation was for. The storyline reason given for Grimes' injury was Timothy Thatcher hurting Grimes' leg after a match, which saw Tommaso Ciampa defeat Grimes after interference by Timothy. After the match, Grimes confronted Thatcher over his interference, but Thatcher grabbed him by the leg and twisted it, sending him to the ground. Oh, no! They must have heard us talk about how real the match between Ciampa and Thatcher felt. Oh, (laughs) they knew exactly what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, hopefully we see him back uh, soon because Cameron Grimes was seemed like he was getting a good push, and he is a fucking awesome talent. Don't waste him, WWE. Oh, if he goes to the main roster, he's wasted city. I hate to say I that. I know, but he's fucking awesome. Um, you know what? Somebody who could tell you about being wasted on the main the roster of WWE, Pasty? Mike Bennett. He ended up victorious at final battle, but... He also left the event with an injury that will keep him out of the ring for several weeks. He has a hairline fracture in his ankle that will keep him out for a few weeks. He noted online that he didn't want it to detract from the event that night and expects to be back sooner than the six weeks recovery time that he was given initially. Well, let's hope him a speedy recovery. Mike Bennett needs some time to stand on his own feet, too, damn it. You know, he's okay. I've never been a Mike Bennett fan. I love Maria Kanellis, and Mike Bennett is a solid, he's a solid mid-card guy. But for all the people who think he could be a main eventer, I don't fucking see it, and I'm sorry. No. And you know what? I don't want to see anything bad happen to him, but I won't miss him if he's gone tomorrow. I could see him being a pure champion. No, you couldn't. Shut the fuck up. You just did that fucking... You just did that fucking... (laughs) Fuck you, pasty. (laughs) Fuck you, pasty. Septimo Dragon was in a motorcycle accident on December 27th. MLW announced that Dragon was rushed to the hospital following an accident on Sunday in Mexico. He was said to be in bad shape at one point, but underwent emergency surgery through the night. Dragon came out of surgery on Monday the 28th and was listed in stable condition. A group of wrestlers in Mexico are trying to raise money to help with Dragon's medical expenses. Septimo's family released a bank account number for fans who would like to donate money for his recovery. You shouldn't release bank account numbers. They were also asking for blood type A donations at Medical City Hospital in Guantanamo, Mexico. I mean, it's Mexico. Come on, look. What could go wrong? What could go wrong with giving your bank account number to to a Mexican fucking address? <laughs> Nothing. 
Superstar Billy Graham pays he was hospitalized due to an infection in his big toe. <laughs> this used to be the fucking biggest <laughs> star in pro wrestling. He makes me feel old because I could see myself being brought down by an infection in my big toe. It's like, God damn. Anyways, his wife Valerie found the infection while changing his Ted hose. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck a Ted hose is. What the fuck is a Ted hose? <laughs> Valerie also wrote out Billy Graham is diabetic and has congestive heart failure. I know what those things are. He's also immune suppressed due to his liver transplant. I know what that is. What the fuck's a Ted hose? <laughs> Anyways, basically, it's about to get much fucking more morbid in the last couple uh, deals uh, here. Yeah. There was, dude, there was a lot of fucking major deaths while we were out of action. Yeah. No, it's, seriously, it's like we're taking three, a couple weeks off, and they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, three major deaths while we took two weeks off. Uh, I mean, these are major deaths. They aren't yeah. even small. Although you don't think Danny Hodge did anything. Who the fuck knows who that guy is? <laughs> <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Famer and former WCW star Kevin Green has passed away at only 58 on December 21st. Green paid 15 seasons in the NFL and was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame 2016. He spent time with the Los Angeles Rams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the California Panthers. Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Those also. He he, he also coached several seasons with the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets. But Green is probably best known to pro wrestling fans for his run in WCW, wrestling five official matches for the promotion, including when he teamed with former NFL player Steve Mongo McMichael for his WCW debut losing to Ric Flair and Arn Anderson at the Great American Bash 1996. But then feuded with Mongo after he joined the Horsemen, Green later teamed with Flair and Roddy Piper to defeat Hall, Nash, and Sticks of the NWO in WCW Slambury 1997. You know what? For your debut match being fucking uh, losing to Flair and Arn Anderson, that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's a great way to debut. I mean, nobody's going to shit on you for that. And pasty uh, combat sports legend and icon Danny Hodge passed away in the late night of December 26th at the age of 88. Hodge is well known for his accomplishments in amateur and professional wrestling and also in boxing. Danny Hodge is a true trailblazer and is the only man to ever win national titles in both wrestling and boxing, believe it or not. The Oklahoma native's highly decorated career includes a three-time NCAA championship at the University of Oklahoma. Hodge went 46-0. and zero Damn! With 36 of those 46 wins being by pinfall. That's huge. He's also an Olympic silver medalist from the 1956 Olympics in Melbourne, Australia. National Golden Gloves heavyweight champion in boxing. 
and NWA singles champion in pro wrestling over 10 times, Pasty. That means he lost a lot. He is a constant... Actually, no, if you look at the... the <laughs> the years he is a consummate competitor in the ring and in fact Bret Hart has referred to Hodge as quote one of the greatest wrestlers in pro wrestling or amateur wrestling there has ever been <clears throat> this man paved the way for beef sticks podcast pasty you want to tell me a little bit more about this amazing and storied human being I am a wealth of knowledge on this topic, Fat Mac. I know you are. So sit back and rest your head as I bring to you the details, fine and true. Danny was well known for his appearance on the cover of Sports Illustrated in April 1957, as well for his ability to crush apples with one hand. Legend says he was due, it was due to double tendons in his hands. The legacy lives on with the Dan Hodge Trophy, which is awarded yearly to the nation's top collegiate wrestler. His accomplishments are far too numerous to list them all here. But this is just a sampling and includes many NWA championships, including United States Tag Team Championships six times, International Tag Team Championships, North American Heavyweight Championship three times, World Junior Heavyweight Championship seven times, as well as such accolades as PWI Stanley Weston Award, Class of 1996, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame 1996, the George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame 2000, Cauliflower Alley Club Lifetime Achievement Award 2004, CAC Luthez Award 2007, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum 2007 and International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Inaugural Class of 2021. Dare we say one of the most decorated pro wrestlers we've ever talked about on Beef Sticks Podcast. So why is he not in the WWE Hall of Fame? I think you just answered your fucking question. <laughs> He's a legitimate pro wrestler. <laughs> 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 I kid, I kid. The man deserves the respect. And folks, again, I'm going to say just fucking Google search Danny Hodge Apple just to see how amazing it is to see a man who, who's probably my height and weighs less than me crush a fucking apple in his hands. I want to see him crush an apple into Carlito's and... mouth and then Carlito <laughs> spits it into his mouth. And, you know, the people listening to this may think it's like, oh, he crushes an apple. Wow, big deal. Fucking do it. Crush an apple then, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fucking do it. It's it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Very much not going to happen. Pasty, wow, this is our first episode back since, um, since the infamous 2020 and... Um, 2021's already fucking... just as infamous almost yeah i can't wait to take this ride with you Loke. Oh, I mean, this is one. great i hope everybody chooses to take this ride with us as well gonna be super fun there are changes coming in the future we will let you all know it shouldn't change too much and anybody listening to this but yeah oh fun times 
Yes, yes. With that being said, I just want to end the show myself, Pasty, saying rest in peace, Danny Hodge. Thank you for trailblazing pro wrestling and giving it legitimacy. And rest in peace, John Huber. Thank you for legitimizing human beings being pro wrestlers. And Debo. Rest in peace, Debo. You were a wrestler, too. Thank you for legitimizing lazy eyes. (laughs) Well, that's another week done, Fat Mac. It's time to go back to the real world. So snap out of it. Before you do, remember love. Spread it like cancer. <laughs>